God in his wisdom declared in his word what would change our lives and cause us to be different people. And there are places we can reach that we can't go past because we don't understand where God is trying to take us. The Lord spoke to me this morning sitting there on front that pew as we were worshiping and the Lord was moving in our midst. And the Lord said that my people don't really know who they are. We are living beneath the privilege of what he created us to be. We are not broke. We are not damaged. We are not worthless. We are not a castaway. But his word declares that you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. That you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous spot. Brother Kilgore trained us that when we push as hard as we can and we don't get to where we need to be, then it's time to preach. Because it's the foolishness of preaching that changes our lives. Now I can tell you that my job or my occupation, God has not ordained. He did not ordain counseling. He ordained preaching. And if you won't respond to anointed preaching, you're not going to respond to anything. If I think that I need a special word, then I am not going to respond to anything that happens. I, I have become narcissistic, and I think that my problems are different than everybody else's. And nobody's going to understand me but a certain few. But I'm here to declare to you tonight who you are and what God desires for you to become. So I want to read to you from the book of Isaiah chapter 61. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles. And their offspring among the people. All that see them and acknowledge them. That they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. I will greatly... Rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. And as the bride adorneth herself with jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud. 
And the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth unto all the nations. This is the only passage of Scripture that Jesus declared today. This Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now, I didn't read the first part, so let me read the first part. The first part begins by saying, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to open the prison of them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint in them that mourn in Zion, to give them them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of an alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat of the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast. For your shame ye shall have double. And for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. America has spent 20 years in survival. And as a result of 20 years in survival, that spirit has bled into us. And we have assumed that spirit on our lives. And God's kids quit being children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and became afraid and started living in survival mode. And as a result of living in this survival mode, we are trapped where we are. And if we want our lives changed and we want to see something different happen in our lives, then we're going to have to get out of survival and start learning how to live life again. Not be afraid of what's going to come. Why? It is appointed unto man once to die. I have a destiny with death. But he decides when that will happen. He is still in control of life and death. So I can't let pandemics, I can't let men, I can't let the world I live in get me distracted into thinking that God don't have a clue where I live or what's going on in my world. I'm here to declare to you tonight that God can't keep people from doing bad things to you. But He did promise when your life is healed, when you follow His process, He'd give you back everything life stole. And He wouldn't just give it back to you, He's going to give it back to you twofold. It won't be just virtue you get back, it's going to be double virtue you get back. Because in their land they shall possess the double an everlasting an everlasting an everlasting 
See, we lost our joy. And that's where the problem lies. We, we lost the ability to enjoy life and to laugh at life and to have fun and enjoy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's, it's joy that gives me the ability to get through all the bad places and bad times. You can be seated tonight. You don't have to stand while I'm preaching. It's the joy of the Lord that's going to change our lives. It's, it's the joy of the Lord that's going to give us the ability to conquer things that the world can't even imagine we can go through and conquer. I can quote a psalm today and quote it as if I wrote it because I have lived long enough to earn that right. And the quote is, I once was young, but now I am old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging for bread. God is the perfect Father, and He as Dad to our life. Jesus is the first one that gave us privilege of speaking to God as if he's dead. Because in the garden praying, he cried, Abba, Father. Then Peter, or Paul, picks that term up and says, Hereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have the right today to approach him as dead. Now, the Hughes boys had an incredible father. If you never met him, you, you missed out on a dad. They, I, our dad was an incredible dad. There's not any of us ever heard dad say, if you're to listen to me, this would have never happened. None of us have ever heard our father say, I knew you'd do that. None of us have ever heard him say derogatory things that make us feel worthless or ashamed or afraid. So it's not difficult for us to approach God because we don't have a stigma we're trying to get through to get to God because we keep seeing Him like Dad. So when I come to God, I don't have the issues some people have in approaching Him because theirs checked out or theirs hurt them or theirs wounded them or theirs abandoned them or, or, or theirs made fun of them and, and called them stupid and dumb and, and you can't do anything right. I don't have that. You might. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't care what your dad was, that's not him. And I don't care what happened in your life, that's not him. I don't care what kind of circumstances your life has taken you through. That's not who he is. And because of who he is, he gives us the freedom and the power to become him. I am a chosen generation. The best way to describe that term in our world today would be to state that he owns the title deed to your life. And nobody can place a lien against it because he bought the right to your title deed at a cross. And because he died on that cross, he owns the right to your life. 
And there's not an enemy or a devil out there that can take that right from you because you are a chosen generation. You are a chosen. He owns a title deed to your life and there's not a devil big enough to wreck your life or cause you problems. To the Colossian church, Paul would write, ye are complete in him. You don't need more Holy Ghost. You don't need more church. You don't need more of anything. You just need to start using and living in what you already have. And when you get comfortable living in what you have, then it opens greater doors for you. Because you are complete. The garment of salvation is not tattered. It's not scarred. It's not in ashes. It is complete. It's whole. And when he placed it upon us, when we went down his name in baptism, and I'm buried with him in Christ, and his name is called on me, I am baptized in or into the name of Jesus Christ. That's the day he takes the scalpel and cuts all the sin off my life. And it remains in that water. And when I come up out of that water, I will never, 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 never be convicted of one thing buried in that water. Their devil can't drag it out. I can't drag it out. And he won't drag it out. Why? Because I was buried in his name and I get blood applied to my life as a result of that. Now, I don't know about you, but the day I come up out of that water, I didn't inherit a halo. I think horns might have grown, but I didn't, in, I, I didn't inherit a halo. And, and from that day to this, this old man's messed up multiple times. I don't even want to think about it or even try to count it because it's terrifying. But it doesn't matter how many mistakes I've made. If I can ever find an altar to pray and find a place of repentance, he brings his blood along in my life because of who I am and I belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords. He gives me access to his blood on a daily basis. So when I come back into his presence, I come and I say, I'm sorry. And he says, all right, son, here's, here's some blood. And you start applying it to that part of your life. And then he rips that page out of your life and says, all right, take this home and nail it to your front door so that everybody that passes by your house knows that I have forgiven you and you have a sin you committed, but it's covered by my blood. Remind the devil every time he passes your home that he has no access to your life because the record of your past has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and there's not a devil in hell that has the power to drag that out from underneath the blood. There is no record. The only record of your past is between your ears. So you take ownership of it and you keep from dragging it up. Because it's not a devil dragging your past up, it's flesh. 
It's the first Adam starts showing up in your life. And he don't like you being righteous and holy. So the first Adam starts fighting the second Adam. And a spiritual war starts taking place. And you're going to get up every day and battle your flesh. Because your flesh is going to wreck your life. You're going to get up every day and start a war with this flesh. And the older you get, the worse that war becomes. Why? You lose your filter. You lose your patience. You lose your long-suffering. You lose your kindness. You get tired of stupid people doing stupid things on a regular basis. So when they do something stupid, you just remind them of how stupid it is. So you've got to start working at keeping that record buried because God don't want it out. So if it's drug out and your past is drugged up, the only way it got drug up is you did it. You are now the king of, the child of the king of kings. And you're an heir and a joint heir with him. Everything in his palace belongs to you. You're his kid. You're an emissary. You have the right to use his name and his authority. Because you were buried in the name, now you have a right to use the name. And when you say Jesus, every devil around you trembles. We've made up doctrines of the devil that don't exist. They are not biblical. The Bible says resist the devil. He'll argue with you, right? He'll tell you, who are you? No, if you've got Jesus written on you, Paul said in the Colossian letter, you are hid with Christ in God. That literally translates you are now camouflaged. Satan cannot see you. When he looks for you... He's going to find Jesus. And I can promise you tonight, he don't want an encounter with Jesus because he's already been beat once. So he's not looking for you. He's listening for your words because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And it's the words you say to one another and you speak out loud that gives him the ability to start controlling the people that are his and cause you trouble. So if you and that little lady at your house start having a problem and it gets real loud and he can hear it, Jezebel will show up at your work and you wonder how she got there and it was because of your words and what you prophesied. And what you allowed to come to pass because you didn't speak life into your own life. You spoke death into your life by words of criticism, by words of hate, by words of embarrassment, by words of shame. So God don't use shame and guilt to help you. God uses conviction. Why? Because there's redemption. When he convicts you and you pray, there's a bowl of blood applied. You, you've got a sponge that you can apply to that page of life and rub it off. And now you've got a blank page that nobody, nobody can ever drag up and say, you did this. Say, no, show me where I did it. Prove it. I'm a child of the king. And at his house, you don't expect people to be perfect. He just wants them to change when, 
what when they mess up, what's when problems show up, he, he don't want them to think that they're never going to do anything wrong again. He just simply wants them to realize, okay, I need to work on this. There, there's a problem in my life. And the instant I start working on who I am because I belong to him and I discover I'm his kid, I am a chosen generation. He owns a title deed. Satan cannot get to your life. You have been delivered from the power of darkness. It's power, it's control, it's authority, it's dominance. You have been delivered from the power of darkness and he didn't just deliver you. He put you on a boat and sailed you across the water. That's why baptism is part of our life. It's that water that separates us from an old life. And he can't get through the water. Once you go through that water, he can't find you or get to you. Before I got the Holy Ghost, I sinned by nature. But since I've had the Holy Ghost, I sinned by choice. There's a big difference. Before I got the Holy Ghost, I could say, I can't help myself. Devil made me do it. But once I get the Holy Ghost, I have to take ownership. There's not a devil alive causing me that problem. Oh, there is. It's got my shoes on. It's that thing I look at in the mirror every day and have to have a conversation with. You're my enemy. You're not my friend. You're not a wrecked life. You're, you're, you're going to watch what you say. You're not going to hurt people. You're not going to wound people. you if, if, if you think you're going to get by with it, then i got news for you. Before we go to bed tonight, we're going to have this conversation again. And if by chance you do win, then tomorrow you don't get breakfast. You don't get lunch. You don't get supper. If that don't get your attention, the next day you don't get breakfast. You don't get lunch. You don't get supper. If that don't get your attention, next day you don't get... Now, I haven't had to go more than three days. <laughs> and doctors have discovered that fasting takes control of your brain quicker than anything else. You, it will take control of your brain quicker than prayer. So, we've learned to do some stuff in the dark. And, and there's a problem with darkness. The instant the light goes down and your eyes can't see light and it gets dim, you go into black and white mode. You no longer see color. You see black and white. Instantly, your brain goes in survival. And all you're going to do is get by. Instantly. Survival shows up. And survival is not the only thing that shows up. Research says honesty goes out the door. And you're 67% more likely to lie. So when God tries to talk to you, you start trying to argue with him. No, I didn't really. I mean, it can't be that bad, God. And you start making excuses for what you're doing because of darkness. Jesus said that ye are the light of the Paul writing in the book of Ephesians states 
that the fruit of the Spirit in the fifth chapter is not actually Spirit. It's light. And the Spirit of light will give you abilities that darkness never gives you. Because in light, you can see color. You can see detail. See, in light, you know why we need church? And in lone line don't work? Because your safety is defined by people looking at you. People isolated on an island by themselves within just a matter of a short period of time become paranoid schizophrenics. They start talking to trees, rocks. God didn't create you to be isolated. Adam had a problem. He was alone. That was why he created Eve. That was the remedy for his aloneness. Now we've made it the problem. (laughs) She was the answer. We can't stand to be alone. So if I can't see you and you can't see me, I don't know if I'm safe and you don't know if you're safe because all you can see is what's in front of you, but I can see what's behind you. So if I'm preaching to you and I keep looking at the door, it won't take long before you start looking at the door too because My face and eyes tell you I am seeing something that you can't see. And it could be a danger to you. So you're going to instantly turn to look to see what's behind you so that you stay safe. Now, if I keep your attention and I don't start focusing on things, then you will pay attention to me. If I don't, then you're going to wonder whether or not this is safe. And you can't have any kind of a good life living in survival. 9-11 took our peace away. And from that point till today, oh, COVID is just one of the fruit of 9-11. There have been many before that that we never paid attention to. But when this one come along, now they already knew what fear would do to us. And they knew how they could control us and manipulate us through fear. And they knew how they could get us to do things through fear. And so when fear showed up, they just took inventory. And, and, and they make statements like, you don't ever let a good crisis go to waste. As a child of God, don't do stupid things. God gave you a brain. Please use it. Don't live your life by your feelings or your emotions. They will wreck your life. You live your life by what you know. If your friend has the flu and you go visit and you get it, don't ask God to heal you. We we became addicted to church. And church has become our fix. And as a result of it being a fix, where you only come to church to feel, then as a result of it being a fix, by in the morning your fix is gone and you'll have trouble getting out of bed. And you'll, you, you'll have trouble with 
whether or not you, you, you really had any experience last night or was it really what it was. And, and so when you start living your life, when church becomes your addiction, God can't help you because now you're just numb in life. And that's what we've done. See, this has allowed us to numb life. And Paul said to the Ephesians in the fifth chapter, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The antidote to fear is the Holy Ghost and learning how to pray in the Holy Ghost and learning how to entertain the presence of God and entertain God moving in our midst and discovering that I'm his kid and there ain't a devil big enough to cause me a problem. Matter of fact, I am the devil's worst nightmare and you are the devil's worst nightmare because I carry his name. I have the power to say, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you and cast you into darkness and instantly he's in darkness. We're afraid to use the authority of that name, but he gave it to us. Why? Because we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. That means he separated us. Let's don't start acting like the world. I I discovered something about Moses a couple days ago that I'd never noticed before. Moses, when God approaches him, It says, I want you to lead my people out. He says, since the time you started talking, since we begin this conversation, and you've shared what you're going to do, how you're going to bring them out of Egypt, how you're going to give them all this land, and and, and you have just told me one thing after another you're going to do. Since our conversation started, I'm still the same way I was when it started. I haven't changed. Well, that's what addictions do. That's what isolation does. See, God gave you his spirit, and you ought to learn how to use it. Every morning you get up, you ought to pray, God, what part of the devil's territory needs to be rearranged today? Just just point me in that direction. Just kind of give me an idea of what, what you'd let me do or like for me to do, and just let me mess up his territory a little bit. For 4,000 years, he caused God's kids incredible grief. But from the cross till today, he gives us the ability to give Satan the same grief he gave his kids for 4,000 years. Now, we only got half the time that he got to do it because it's 2,000 years the Lord's coming back. So why don't we do it twice as much? If we only got half the time then why don't we stand up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you don't understand who I am. Yeah, come on. I am a, he owns the title deed to my life. I, and I willfully leave it in his possession. He can protect it. Nothing can take it from me. He owns it. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation, separated. I am a peculiar 
That don't mean you're weird, folks. And we've bragged about it. We've taken that as a badge of honor that we're weird people and so that, you know, we're peculiar. No, that's not what he means. It, it speaks of a treasure so valuable. But yet we make it worthless. We've read too many dumb books. We've read things like, you got to chase God. Because now he's running. And so you're going to be a God chaser. And you're going to wait from the split pulpits with lightning to see if. You are always asking God for a word. And God's going to say back to you, what's wrong with my book? When somebody tells you they have a word from God for you, what they're saying is you're not spiritual enough for God to talk to If God needs to talk to you, trust me, God will do it. And you're not stubborn enough or hard-headed enough to keep him from doing it. Trust me, I've been there. He can get your attention. And if he needs to, he will. But we're always looking for somebody else to give me an answer. Why? We've made church an addiction instead of a relationship. Yeah. We, we've made this the atmosphere where we come get our fix and, and tomorrow our fix is gone. We barely make it back when it's not good enough fix. And now life goes, boom, boom, boom. That's bipolar. God don't want you living a bipolar life. He wants you to live a victorious life so that no matter what life brings, no matter how bad life gets, you can raise your hands and say, this is the day the Lord hath made. And here's what I'm going to do. I am going to rejoice in it and be glad. Don't expect everybody else to rejoice like you. Paul said, be not conformed to this world. The little translation says, don't let the world press you into its mold. Well, that applies to the church just as well. Quit sticking people in your mold because God didn't make them you. So if they're not doing what we think they ought to be doing, then we think there's something wrong with them. Hello? You want to have a victory? Then be his kid. Talk to him. Dad, they've been mean to me today. And he'll say, yes, I've seen that. But until you tell me about it, I can't do nothing with it. Now, if you'll come and tell me about it, I can take care of them. Because when you take your hands off, it allows me to be your dad. 
but as long as you keep trying to fix the problem, then I can't do nothing with it because you're trying to fix it yourself. But if you want the problem fixed, just leave it in my hands and I'll fix that problem for you so that... See, I'm a kid. When I took my wife to meet mom and dad, she's from Houston. We lived up in Wichita Falls. They had never met her. She was terrified because we're meeting a family she's never met. And there's no cell phones in 1972. We did stop at a city 50 miles away and tell them, called. Had to do a collect call because it's pay phone. But they accepted it. Said, we're Bowie, Texas. We'll be there in about 50 minutes. We drove in the driveway, opened the front door. Guess where they were? In the living room. Waiting. I don't know how long they'd been sitting there. They'd been waiting. I took Leanne in. Said, Mom, Dad, this is Leanne. Leanne, this is Mom, Lois. This is Dad, this is Egbert. She went over, put her arms on my dad and hugged him. He didn't know what to do. He stood there with his arms down. Because he didn't live in a house where people hugged anybody. Now, my dad was Mr. Personality. He never met a stranger. He could talk to anybody. I remember as a kid going through Arkansas on dirt roads and pull up to a service station with those old glass things that you pumped the handle and get out. And, and he'd start up conversations with people in gas stations and as if he'd known them all their life. And, I didn't get any of my genes from him. <laughs> I am not Mr. Personality. And, and, and people often wonder why I don't clap my hands. You want to know why? It hurts too bad. When you cut three of them off and they've reimplanted them, and you smash the other one off on the other hand, and the older you get, that, that, that movement, it's painful. So we, we look at people and expect them to act like us. If God wanted your clone, he'd have made it. Now, there's a couple of twins in this house. Are they alike? So even twins are... God don't make clones out of anything. God don't want nothing being the same as the next one. He made us all unique, but yet we're going to force everybody because we don't know who we are. When I know who I am, I'll let you be who you are because that's what God made you to be. And I'm not going to expect you to become like me. And I'm not going to demand that, you be, that, that I have to be like you. God don't want two James Hughes's. The world being terrorist or what? <laughs> I preach 47 weekends out of every year. Sometimes twice in the week, sometimes three times. Over the last 36 years, I have probably averaged preaching seven times a week. 
But the strange thing is, 60% of places I go are brand new every year. I don't get invited back. That don't cause me a problem. I don't have a problem with that. See, God made you to be you. Get comfortable in your skin. If you don't like the skin you live in, then you're going to start doing things to it that's going to produce an addiction that's going to wreck your life. So get comfortable being what God made you to be. He didn't make you to be somebody else. Just get comfortable being you. Become the treasure that he made you to be. God has never said, oops. So that means there's not a person in this room. That's a mistake. But David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully created. God chose the chromosomes that created me. God's not shocked at what I look like. In his book, he wrote all my members when as yet there was none of them. The only time that exists, the instant of creation, and the instant he created me, he wrote in his book how tall I'd be, how long my fingers would be, how long my how short my legs would be. They're not long, they're short. His is long, mine's short. Got a long torso, short legs. He wrote all those things. He's not shocked I have brown eyes. I used to have brown hair. I used to have more of it, but he's not shocked that it's gone. Because he wrote in his book, all my members, when as yet there was none of them. And, and we've started creating puppets and images and, and clones and we're trying to act like so-and-so and preach like so-and-so or be like so-and-so. And, and, and we're missing. See, God didn't create you to be that. God wants you to be you. And when you get comfortable with you, then he can use the vessel he made in you to start reaching the world that's around you. And you're not going to have to be insulting the people or irritating the people. When you become you and you're comfortable with you, You'll be amazed at who shows up for you to speak into their life. Why? Because I'm a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm exclusively owned as a treasure. That's peculiar. Diamonds, when they come out of the ground, are not pretty, but they're still a diamond. It takes a little bit of polishing. And you know the interesting thing about an anointing, for you to get an anointing, so Gethsemane is called the olive press. And for you to get an anointing, it requires you being crushed by thousands of olives above you to force the oil out of you. So if you want an anointing, then expect to be crushed. Who are you? You're not broke. You're not powerless. You've got more power in your lack of faith 
than the whole world has because you have his name. And if I can ever get you to see past the lies you've heard and become the treasure he made you to be, then we'll take this city by storm. Then we'll start affecting the world that's around us. But I got a question. Who wants what you've got if you're just like them and there's no difference? They got misery by themselves. So they don't want a, a relationship that's full of misery and no joy and, and no purpose. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you need to get your joy back. Somebody used to sing a song about, I'm going to get my joy back. You need to get your joy back. You, you need to get your laughter back. You need to learn how to laugh again. I remember as a kid hearing people laugh in the Holy Ghost. And it happened on a regular occasion that they'd laugh in the Holy Ghost. They'd get so much of God that, that the Holy Ghost would sweep in and there would be such an incredible move of God. People would start laughing in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because He's our joy. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If I've got the Holy Ghost, all those singers show up in my life unless I'm in survival. And it doesn't matter how much of that shows up if I'm living in survival mode and I'm just getting up every day, getting by. And every day's another day just like the last one. And instead of getting up every day and saying, this is the day that the Lord has. But, 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 that, but, but there's a storm outside. It doesn't matter. It's still the day the Lord hath made. And I will rejoice. But, but, but the sea is raging and the boat's going to crash. Still the Lord's day. Because it requires shipwrecks to expose vipers. And the instant the shipwreck has, he's already got a fire prepared for him. So it takes chaos for you to see the things God wants to happen in your life. And, and, and we've lived in this world long enough that don't want pain, don't want issues, don't want any of this discomfort. And so we've tried to just get rid of all of them, do away with it. When God said, wait a minute, suffering is not your enemy, it's your friend. It's just life. It's just life. You know, at this point in my life, I've had, I think it's 22 surgeries now. 15 of them are, are for bad things that happen to my body. Chainsaw, skill saw, jigsaw, skill saw, lightning, 18 wheelers. I woke up one morning from being in surgery for 12 hours, 8 hours. I don't know how long it was. Here, a guy in the room talking to my wife saying, Brother Hughes' guardian angel wants a reassignment. <laughs> if I wanted to live a pity party life, I got struck by lightning at church. Well, Hughes, God's trying to get your attention. No, he can get my attention real easy if he wants to. I'm not that hard-headed. Trust me. It's just life. It's the day the Lord hath made. And that day may reveal some things that cause a little discomfort. 
But the discomfort is not going to cause me to say, well, he don't know where I'm at. Or, he don't love me no more. If he knew where I was at, he wouldn't let this happen to me. And, Whose kid are you? Who are you calling dad? Who, who do you call papa? That's what Abba means, papa. Who are you calling papa? See, I get to call him dad. And I enjoy those conversations. I have them all the time. Dad, just thought I'd talk to you a little bit. It sure is good to know you know where I'm at. You know what's happened in my life. And you know wherever devil is that's around me trying to bring chaos. So I just release you to be dad. I'm going to step back and be your kid. And as a kid, I get to ask for ice cream, pie when I want it. As a kid, I get to be spoiled because the word says he's going to do that to us. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. The little translation is let oneself be spoiled by Yahweh. God enjoys spoiling kids. So when you let him spoil you, Brother Kilgore used to start a sermon by service, his, his sermon every night with two questions. Has God been good to anybody here? Remember that? What's the next one? Who's he been the best to? Who's he been the best? God been good to anybody here? Who's he been the best to? Why? Because I'm his kid. And I get to call him dad. And I, I, get, to, I get to cry out to him in need and trouble. And, and I know he's there. And, 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 and no matter if life steals something, it's not permanent. Stand down through. I get it back. I don't just get it back. The year of Jubilee is going to show up, except for the year of the Lord. The year of Jubilee is not every 50 years anymore. It's every time you say, All right, Jesus, I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I'm ready to turn this thing loose. I'm ready to let you become the dad of my life. So here's what I'm going to do, Jesus. I take my hands off it and I put it in your hands because the Word said you love justice. So if someone did me wrong, vengeance belongs to you, not me. So I take my hands off of it. I'm not going to try to settle this score. I'm not going to get even here. I'm not going to cause any more stuff here. I'm just going to allow you. Can I speak in his stead tonight? Who is going to say to him, Dad, I'm letting you become dad starting right now. I've done it long enough. I'm tired of it. I've done a horrible job with it. I've had a lot of chaos as a result. So I, I'm turning over to you this dadship thing. And you're going to become my dad. Uh, I give it to you. He's just waiting for you to do it. I, 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 I can't get you there. I can't do that for you. But if you right now will just say, all right, Jesus, I'm ready.
to give you the privilege right now of becoming the greatest dad that you are. So I, I know you're not going to do anything bad to me. You're, you always look out for me. You're going to make my world say. You're going to make my life say. You're, you're going you're to pour your blessings out upon my life one after another, after another, after another because I give you the right and the privilege of being the dad of my life and the authority of my life. So Jesus, I, I, I'm willing tonight, Jesus, to become the treasure, the vessel of honor. I will take ownership of that vessel starting tonight. And I, every day, will look at that vessel and make sure that that vessel is what you created, not something that I put my hands on and, and tried to fix or change. But I'm the vessel of honor you created, and I'm going to let you be the God of my life. And I give my life to you. If you'll do that tonight, healing will start taking place. Deliverance will start taking place. All kinds of miracles will happen in people's lives because we just let Him become who He is. We talk about it. See, the prophecy of Azusa Street in 1907 was that 100 years from then people would pray to a God that they didn't know who He was. And we've got there. How'd we get there? Survival. We started living day to day instead of living up to the privilege and the honor that God gave us to become as His kid. So He's here. You need to talk to Him. I'm not stopping you. You got an audience with the King of Kings right now. You're in a throne room called Grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of Grace. That's the, that's the seat between the cherubims. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain to pick up in our hands mercy. When you walk into that throne room, mercy is everywhere. And when you pick up mercy, it will introduce you to His beauty, His loveliness, to His grace because you're now in His throne room called grace. And that's all He wants us to do tonight is to start declaring that you know what dad what an incredible privilege to be your kid and to call you dad i worship you today jesus he's here whatever you want or desire tonight he's the greatest dad in all the world i can promise you he will meet every need you have in life if you'll just let him know take your hands off give it to him and let him become the God of your life that he desires to be.